God is faithful. Amen? There we go. I want to encourage you just real quick before I begin. Number one, if you'd like to take notes, I've got some questions I'm going to be leading you in today. You can take those there. But you'll see that we are in October uh, making that one of our global missions months. And um, and, and, and sometimes uh, at Christmas time we think about Lottie Moon offering and and uh, at Easter time we think about Annie Armstrong and then we of course uh, have opportunities to give to missions and go on missions at other times as well and we are going the first week of November contact Roger if you'd like to go with us to Kentucky we are doing some uh, construction work potentially we're doing some work uh, to feed some hungry folks in a kitchen we're doing some laundry Uh, if you can cut hair that's one of the things they need to do there as well but in October we're focusing on missions not only giving but going and uh, we're doing that a little earlier just because as you know Christmas time is probably the worst time to try to ask for more money to give to missions because that's when our bank accounts are probably the lowest because we're giving gifts and all that and so we're trying something new and we're going to do that again in March uh, to focus not just on Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong but Uh, Focus on missions in many ways. There'll be more coming out about that, but you can also take that bulletin uh, and take some notes as well if you'd like. We're going to start a new series today called The Good Life, and what we are seeking to do is to uh, help you to see and help us to see what the world says is the good life, and there's a definition that the world has. There is an expectation that the world has. And then there is what God calls the good life, or Jesus says is the true good life. And so we want to look at these things kind of juxtaposed against one another. So I want to tell you a story as we begin. Uh, And maybe you can identify with this. As a child, uh, I uh, thought pretty highly of myself, and I really wanted to be famous. That was my idea, you know, for whatever reason, as a child, I picked up on this idea that I needed uh, to be famous, and I wanted a fortune, and I think half of that had to do with just, you know, in our life, we weren't poor, we had everything that we needed, but there were times where my parents would say, well, we can't buy that because, uh, you know, we don't have the money, or you'll have to work on your own and get that. I remember being 10 years old, my mom's here right now, and uh, in the room, and she may remember this differently, but I remember it. You know, I'm 10 years old, and I wanted a certain uh, thing, and they said, well, if you want that, you're going to have to do something to work for it. And so I said, okay. And then my mom helped me find our neighbors, and I cut grass that summer and made 200 bucks as a, eight, a 10-year-old kid. I thought that was pretty good. And, uh, and so I, I knew that to, to get anywhere, the, the world was telling me I needed money to do that and so I wanted to find a way to to get as much money as possible and so I wanted to to number one I started off I thought I wanted to be a doctor you know I'm like I'm you know I'm a young child I'm I'm the age of my oldest daughter probably and I'm thinking okay what am I going to do and then I realized what being a doctor entailed and I didn't like blood and guts at all and so I'm like well I can't do that there's no way and so you know, I thought maybe a lawyer or something. And then I realized I can sing. I love to sing. I want to be a famous singer. That's what I wanted to be. And I, 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 I really did. 
And at the time, I, I, I was really into country music. We listened to it all the time. And you may remember a song on the radio at this time. It was a, a, a smash hit. It was the most amazing song at the time. It was really kind of silly if you think about it. But it was Achy Breaky Hard. Anybody remember this? And so I wanted to be a famous country singer. Uh, I did not have a mullet, okay? Though those have come back somehow. I don't understand that at all. Um, but I wanted to be famous. And, and the, it's interesting because that, where did I get that? How did I understand that? And I think it's because even as young children, even... Um, well, I guess I'm turning 40 this year. I was like 10, 11, so 30 years ago, okay? Even 30 years ago, when, when we didn't have social media, when we didn't have all the ways that the world and its a megaphone are telling us, live life this way, live life this way. You'll never be happy if you don't have this. You'll never be fulfilled if you don't receive these things. And the world tells us those things. And even 30 years ago, without, uh, without the megaphone that we have today, I somehow bought into... The, the, the world's definition of the good life. And it was innocent enough. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with being famous for singing. There's nothing wrong with that. The, there are many people who use their platform in a great way. But I'm telling you this story to help you and, and to draw out this idea that the world's megaphone has only gotten stronger and louder telling us the same things. You'll never be happy. You're nebby, you'll never be fulfilled if you don't have these things. It's everywhere. You cannot walk two seconds without realizing it and understanding that the, issue, the, 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 the world wants you to believe a certain list of things. Now, the world tells us those things, but what does God tell us? God tells us quite a different Story he tells us what the good life really is. In fact, Jesus came to establish the good life for you and I, the, the real good life for those who would follow him and not live a life merely for today, but live a life that affected today and eternity. Jesus in John 10, 10 gives us one clear sentence to help us to see exactly what he uh, is speaking about and all the things that he tells us and the reason he came to, to intersect our life. And this is it, John 10, 10. He says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. You see, God wants us to have truly a good life, life eternal, abundant life, real life, substantial life, uh, weighty life, life with gravity. That's what God wants us to have. But the, he contrasts it with what the thief wants, to still kill and destroy. And so we see in the Bible, in, in the Gospels, not only in John 10.10, 10, but in particularly in Mark, beginning in chapter 8. Would you turn there now? We're going to read some select scriptures in just a moment. But we're going to dive into this thought 
that there are two competing definitions of the good life, the world's definition and Jesus' definition. And we're going to look at Mark's gospel, and we're going to see a vivid picture that Jesus paints of the kingdom of God and what it truly offers and contrast it against the kingdom of this world and the good life as defined by the world. And to do that, we're going to ask three questions that I think will orient us to what Jesus is putting in front of his disciples and the followers of him in this moment. Number one question. This is the very first question. You can fill this out in your handout if you'd like. Will you expend your life or extend your life? Look at what he says, Matthew or Mark, chapter 8, beginning in 34 and going to 9, chapter 1, uh, chapter 9, verse 1. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Then he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. So what we see here is, and this question helps orient our, our thoughts around this thought that's in this passage, is will you expend your life? Will you use it up? Or will you extend your life so that it will be lasting? Do you want to use up your life here? Or do you want to live a life that will last, not just here, but will last forever? That's the question. That's the thing that Jesus puts before us. The kingdom of this world would say, spend it all. Spend your life while you can. You only live once. Live your life the fullest now. Spend it however you would want. That's what the world tells us, right? To spend it all. Do whatever you want. Take whatever pleasure you want. Live whatever way you want. And do your life the way you want. Live your life. That's what the world tells us. It wants us to spend our life. Use it up in the here and now. Jesus would say, follow me. Follow my example. Sacrifice self. Deny self, he says. Take up your cross. Live your life not for yourselves. Live your lives for others. Live your lives for me. You see the difference. The world's definition of the good life says spend it all. Jesus' definition says spend it all for others. Give your life for others. Live your life for me. Follow me, and the world would say, spend it all on yourself. Do whatever you want. Get all the things that you would like to have. 
Where has self-preservation and you only live once gotten anyone? Think about this. Yeah, the world tells us to do that, but guess what? When people go to that end, and think about when people have gone to the furthest end of living your best life now, you only live once. They get to the end of whatever that thing they've been living it for, and they want more. It never satiates their appetite. It never satisfies them. Going after, uh, 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 going after the greatest riches will leave you only wanting more and living your life in a selfish, uh, a selfish way. Going toward uh, uh, fulfilling a pleasure or an addiction or, uh, or anything that, that tries to fill that void in our lives. So if you only live once, will only leave you wrecked and wanting more and never fulfilled. But I can say in my own life, the moments when I've been giving myself the most are the most fulfilling. The moments where I've went and served people in different countries or even in our own world, it's where I get the best blessing. And I feel the most fulfilled and feel the closest to achieving. I've been giving of myself brings the greatest satisfaction. I don't know if you've experienced that in that way, but I can certainly say in my own life, it's those moments when I've been uh, serving people in Honduras in the mountains where there's never, not even electricity or running water in 2004 and sharing the gospel with him and see, seeing God transform a whole village from not knowing the Lord to following the Lord and living their lives for Him. Those are the moments that are the most fulfilling, giving of myself, giving of my time, giving of my resources. Or even offering the Lord at the age of 16 when He says, I want you to serve me. And I say, Lord, here I am, send me. And giving up the dream of being some famous singer or being famous and for, uh, full of fortune the Lord called me to ministry and I said yes and that is so much more fulfilling than anything I could have ever received in any other way when you've given yourself and sacrificed that's what matters most particularly when we give it for Jesus. And it's clear that we need to see that these two things are diametrically, diametrically opposed. Jesus doesn't say, well, hey, you live most of your life for me, give a, uh, 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 but you can have a little for yourself. No, it's not um, that you can have both. Jesus describes it, he says, you can have me, or you can have this sinful generation. He says it, for, those, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So Jesus is essentially saying, you can't have both. You can either have me, or you can pursue this adulterous, sinful world. Now, I'm not saying you can't have the things that make life good while you're here. 
I'm just saying you can't give your whole self to one and expect Jesus just to gloss over it. We must live our lives for him and receive the blessings he has for us in the here and now and in the life to come. It's far greater than anything the world could ever give us. The second question that we see that will help orient us to this understanding of what Jesus is saying in these passages, he says, will you, uh, we, we ask the question, will you seek to find your voice or listen to or listen for a better voice? Will you seek to find your voice or listen for a better voice? Let me read chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Now remember, he had just said, live your life by following me, denying yourself so that when you, when the kingdom comes, when the power that I'm coming in, so you'll be ready. That's what he said, right? And six days later, he gives them a vivid understanding of what he's speaking about. And after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and let them up a high mountain by themselves to be alone. And he was transfigured in front of them. And his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. It's so awesome that we're here. I'm so glad I could be here and experience this. I'm glad you chose me. Let us set up three shelters, three tabernacles, three places of worship. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say since they were terrified. A cloud appeared overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. You see... In this passage, we get a vibrant picture of Jesus' kingdom. For just a, a moment, a glimpse. A beautiful picture of Jesus in his full glory, in his unveiled glory. We see him in dazzling white clothes. We see him. Don't you wonder what Jesus is talking to Elijah and Moses about? Perhaps he's saying the time is near. The time is close time for me to establish my kingdom. It's time for me to be the sacrifice that will usher in the kingdom of God. But we see in this moment, Jesus described his kingdom of power, and in six days later, or six days later, he takes three of his disciples to see it on display even for just a moment. They don't know what to do and just keep on jabbering. Isn't that what we do when we don't know what to do? But God wants them to pause, be quiet, and listen to Jesus. You see, you find later in chapter 9, you see uh, James and John who had been in this moment. And we see where their hearts are. Because they asked Jesus, who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to sit at your left hand? You see... They were more concerned about their own kingdom and their own voice and their own leadership than, than figuring out this wasn't about them. This was about their Savior. 
Even God spoke directly to them in a dynamic way, and they didn't understand. And so we can live our lives reaching for our own voice, trying to find our own ground and uh, trying to advance our own lives and our own voice, or we can be still and know that God is our God. We can be still and listen to the voice of Jesus. In God's kindness, for a long, for a long time, I got to lead worship. Uh, I was in a, um, a ministry in college. Uh, we had a, a little band, and we traveled around to D-Nows and did stuff for youth, and we, we led in our own youth group. And uh, we even got to open up for the band Skillet. So that was kind of cool. That was my one claim to fame, right? My momentary moment. But I remember in that time, the Lord convicted me because at times I would sing, and I would be in this place where I wanted people to hear in my humble opinion, how good my voice was. I wanted them to hear me. I wanted them to know how awesome I was. And the Lord convicted me of that. Here you are, supposed to be singing for me. And you're worried about yourself. And so I took a time off, about three months, and just said, I want to focus on the Lord. Why did I tell you that? I don't know. I didn't plan it. It just came out. It was supposed to be funny, but obviously it wasn't. So, uh, but what I think, what I think, I'm trying to help us to see is that there are times in our lives where we're running so hard and fast toward our own good life, the advancement of our own selves. We need a, a gut check. We need, we need God to speak from the heavens and say, "Be still." Be quiet. This isn't about you. This is about my son. And we need to listen to him. And we need to advance his kingdom. And we need to know that his life and following him is the greatest life. The third thing, third question, will you value comfort for a time over eternal riches? I'm nearly out of time, and so I want to try to go through this as quickly as possible. Mark chapter 9, 8 through 13. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. So Elijah's gone, Moses is gone. And they were uh, coming down the mountain. He ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept uh, this word to themselves, questioning what is he talking about? Rising from the dead, right? Then they asked him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah does come first and restores all things, Jesus replied. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did whatever they pleased to, to him, just as it is written about him, about him and they, that is alluding to possibly John the Baptist and how they treated him. 
So what we see here is, is this contrast in this passage in, in what Jesus is speaking about. I think we see a contrast here about temporary comfort and eternal riches. Jesus speaks of his resurrection and the disciples couldn't understand because they were still expecting Jesus to come in power in the flesh. Why are you going to rise? You're, going to, you're alive now. You're not going to die. You're about to establish your kingdom. That's what they thought. They thought what Jesus had just shown them on the mountain, he was going to come down and do in front of the whole crowd and everyone would follow him. But that's not what he was doing at all. He was saying, I've got to die. I've got to be sacrificed and I've got to raise from the dead. And they didn't understand that. They couldn't fathom his suffering or their eventual suffering, nor could they fathom the riches that would come once Jesus rose again and they would eventually rise with him. They were focused on a momentary kingdom. They were focused on an earthly kingdom. They thought Jesus was going to come and uh, enact in that moment. They couldn't realize that he was coming to do something far greater, far more amazing, far more uh, uh, immaculate than what they could ever imagine. That he was actually not going to come and live and reign. He was going to come and die. And he had to die because his death was the only thing that could cover their sin and the only thing that could cover my sin and your sin. You see, we are so consumed with finding comfort in the here and now, which may not be the worst uh, thing to have comfort here, of course. But the problem is, is when that comfort and our pursuit of it supersedes living for Jesus and the kingdom that is already and not yet, then we failed to capture the eternal riches that should be our goal and allow temporal riches to be our goal now. So, in closing... We all, these are not optional questions. Can you put those back on the screen for just a moment? These questions, I don't believe, are optional. Jesus gives us a choice. We have to answer them. Will we expend our life today, failing to extend it for tomorrow? Will we seek our own voice and our own advancement or will we listen to his? Or will we value comfort now for a time? Comfort that will end. Or will we live our life for the riches to come? And it's not like we just have to live our lives and not experience those riches. The kingdom... Has already been established. As soon as Jesus came, he established it. His kingdom exists now, and you and I are part of it. We receive his eternal riches now. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are seated with him in heavenly places. We are joint heirs with Christ. Everything is afforded to Jesus 
now in his glory, in his kingdom, is afforded to you and me today. It's not like we just have to muddle through this life and then one day we'll get heaven. No, we get heaven now. The, tr- the question is, will we live for heaven now or will we live for earth now? Or will we live for this world now? Or will we live for the megaphone that the world is shouting at us every moment of every day? Or will we say, nope, I'm going to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow my Savior. Because that life is far greater. You and I have a choice. But we must decide. We must not put it off. It's something Jesus wants us to settle now. And I hope it's settled for you. It's a joy to know Christ is our Savior. It's a blessing. And my encouragement, if it's not settled for you, settle it today. There's some ways that you could do that. You can come up, and I'd love to share with you. I'd love to walk with you about following the Lord. If you're watching online, you can text ALIVE to 423-455-9458. I know you hear me say that every week, ad nauseum, and maybe we'll get out of this dumb pandemic and eventually we won't have to say that anymore, okay? But we're in it. And I would love for, I'd love to share with you through text and phone calls and perhaps even a visit. But I don't want you to misunderstand that you've got to come and pray some prayer and Jesus is magically going to enter your heart. That's not how it works. What's, what's very, it's very simple. You and I must acknowledge I want to live my life because of Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus. And so we ask him, God, change my heart and make me new. Make me yours. Seal me in your kingdom. And guess what? He does. He will. And it makes life so amazing. We also have the opportunity to make the choice today to say, I think I'll live my life for me a little longer. And you can do that. But I think it'll lead you down a path of never being able to be fulfilled in that. I can't convince you of that. And so I'm In just a moment, I'm going to try to stop. My prayer is that the Lord uses His Word and my words to convince you of it because it's going to be Him that changes our hearts, not me. I I don't have that power. Please don't even put that on me because I don't want that responsibility. That's the Lord's responsibility. And that's your responsibility to listen and heed His Word and follow it. So here's my ask of you right now. I don't care how you do it. I honestly don't. You come here, I'd love to do that. I would love for that opportunity. I don't care. Just do it. Wherever you are, watching online or sitting in this room, say something like this, Lord, help me to follow you. Speak to me, Lord, and I'm listening. And if you do that with a genuine heart, 
He will. And He will lead you and guide you. Now, if you need some help, I'd be glad to help. But the Lord needs to do it in your heart. So listen to Him. That's the ask. We're going to sing a song. Just spend a moment asking the Lord, Lord, I want to hear from you. Speak to me. Show me what I need to do. Show me how to follow you. And he will lead you. He will guide you. I'm going to pray. Our team's going to come. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And as we sing, may the Lord work in our hearts and lives. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Thank you that your word applies to us now. 2,000 plus years later, Lord, we are able to hear the words you spoke yourself. Follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Live a life that lasts. Don't try to save your life. You'll lose it. Lose your life. That's when you'll save it. And Lord, that crazy pet paradox, may it be true for us today. May we heed it. May we follow it. Speak to our hearts now, Lord. We are listening. We need you to move in power. It's in Jesus' name we pray.